0: Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. The
1: scripture reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. It's the whole armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the ruler of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girding your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. may be seated.
0: Last Sunday afternoon, an announcement was made over the world that this little five-man submergible called the Titan that had five passengers headed to see the Titanic wreckage had not responded in some time. There was concern. Communications had broken down. And as last week wore on, as you know, probably there were, there was increasing alarm. And finally, uh, toward the latter half of the week, there was confirmation that all of them were gone, those five. An implosion. What's interesting about it is that the submergence community of engineers, independent of one another, had written there were quite a lot of letters that had been written to Ocean Gate, the manufacturer of this little submarine, to say, this is still an experimental craft. You don't need to be taking passengers. This is very dangerous. We would urge you to reverse this and stop doing this. They'd done, I think, maybe 10 or so uh, excursions in the past already. A lot of issues had come up, but they they were... Well, it costs $250,000 for a passenger, so if you have one captain and you have four passengers, that's a million dollars for a trip, a rather short trip, but I don't know. You can play that out in your mind, however with a lot of money involved. And after the announcement was made, and, and it is right for us to feel great pity for those families who are left behind, it would be so hard to lose a loved one in some noble cause, but this was something unnecessary and i know that they were studying and they were interested but it's just bad very sad there's nothing happy, happy about it it's just all very terribly sad but what happened after it was over was that there was a lot of discussion about the titanic which is kind of interesting to me i mean because there were similarities of course the greatest of which is that they were right over the site their purpose was to was to go and look at the ship i don't know how I don't know whether or not they actually got to see the Titanic. It's kind of an irrelevancy, but that's where they were going. Now, bear in mind that the Titanic is 2.5 miles down. And here's the point of this sermon. I mean, there are some similarities about not heeding the warnings, about danger that was ignored, and those kinds of issues. It just seems to me that the Titanic sank... Over a century ago, and yet still, from time to time, something happens, and we hear about the Titanic again. What I'd like to do tonight, in this short sermon, is to glue something into your heart, into your mind, so every time, for the rest of your life, you hear reference made to the Titanic, I want you to think about three things. I want to make a spiritual application. I want to, I want you to think about these forever. I don't want you to think about some old movie. I want you to think about something meaningful. And three things. The Titanic on April 10, 1912, launched from Southampton, England, on its way to New York. Maiden voyage. It was the world's largest moving object. And yet still, it was expected to beat all other records for speed on this trip. It was 900 feet long. So it's three football fields in length. You can't prove that somebody ever said that not even God himself could sink this ship. But the stories do abound, and and it seems like if it was said, it was said by one of the crew members to a passenger when she was boarding, and they were laughing about how the ship couldn't be sank. And so there was chatter about that. But there's no doubt that people believed it couldn't be. A lot of pride in this ship. I've seen pictures and you have too. This this was a five-star hotel that floated. That's what it was. It was immaculate. It was it was luxurious. It had ballrooms, it had a barber shop, and it had a couple of beauty shops and it had lots and lots of food, beautiful things. And on April 14 of 1912 at 2:20 in the morning, she sank. There were 2,018 passengers on board, and 1,513 expired. There were three mistakes that they made, and they are these. Number one, they felt invincible. The best way to see this is to look at the lifeboats, ironically. I mean, you could see the ship in your mind, and you know. I mean, it took a couple of years to build, and I think twelve hundred men to build it over a two-year span. But they felt invincible, and you look at the you look at the deck in your mind of that magnificent ship, and and uh, you see the lifeboats there. But your your trouble is going to come if you try to count them, because when you count them, what you find is that while there were twenty two hundred and eighteen passengers, there were only lifeboat spaces for 1,084 people, about 50% seats on that Titanic for lifeboats. It really, it really draws the question about why they had lifeboats at all. Maybe it was tradition, maybe it looked good on the deck, but they didn't have enough lifeboats. But they didn't expect anything to happen. They never expected for to ever need those lifeboats. In Scripture... A spirit and a human being, a creation of God that is invincible, is strongly condemned. And it's condemned over and over. Luke chapter 22 and 16 beginning, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself, what shall I do because I don't have anywhere to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I'll tear down my barns, build greater barns, and there while I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. There's the Spirit. That's the Spirit. And God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall those things be which you've laid up? Who's indeed? Revelation 3 and verse 17, And the people at Laodicea, Jesus said, You say, I'm rich, and I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. There's the Spirit. There it is. And don't you know Jesus says that you're poor and blind and naked and miserable? In Judges chapter 7, you have Gideon, the judge Gideon, and Gideon is going to lead Israel against the Midianites. And he has 32,000 men with which to do it, and God says it's too many. What a strange thing to say. Narrows it down to 10,000. God says it's too many. What a strange thing to say. And he narrows it down to 300, and then God explains himself. He doesn't have to, but I think he wanted to for for people to be able to preach about this later, talk about this later, down to 300. He said, I'm doing this because I do not want you to defeat the Midianites and say, I defeated them with my own hands. Because you're not going to do it with 300. James 4 and 13 you're familiar with. Go to now, you that say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a city. We'll continue there a year and we'll buy and sell and get gain. Because you don't know what is on the morrow. You don't know what, what is your life. Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time then vanishes away? Here's what we ought to say. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. That's how we ought to talk. First mistake. Look at the deck. Look at those lifeboats. They felt Invincible. Here's number 2. They knew the destructive force was there but they ignored it. They knew it was there. When that um when that iceberg was see that the ship the ship was built with state of the art technology and it and it goes like this that the hull was a double hull and so it has airtight compartments along the sides. And the, the point is that if one of them was violated, was, was penetrated, well, well, that would be messed up, but it wouldn't matter. The ship would still stay afloat because it's got all these other compartments. What they didn't entertain was the possibility that you'd have a gash, and, and that gash was 300 feet long. It was the length of a football field, and it penetrated all of those compartments along the side, and it all took on water, and that, that was too much. It it overwhelmed it. They just never envisioned that happening. They knew the deadly force was there, but they just simply, they simply ignored it. Luke 22 and verse 31. Satan has desired you, Peter. Jesus said this. Satan has desired that you that he may sift you as wheat. That's a profound statement. It was very direct, wasn't it? First Peter 5 and 8 says the devil's like a roaring lion, going about whom he may devour. What are the distor- destructive forces? Three, three of them. One of them is Satan. And we talked about this morning about the angel of Satan who brought Paul's thorn in the flesh. That's a profound thought, isn't it? And of course, death is one. And we attend funerals. You and I do sometimes. And We're there for more than one purpose. One is for closure. Another is to offer comfort. But what also happens is, I think, a self-examination and just a realization. It's not very pleasant, but it's just a realization that I too must walk this way. And then, of course, number three is the judgment day. In Matthew 25 and verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He's going to sit on the throne of His glory and before Him will be gathered all nations and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. It is appointed, Hebrews 9, 27, unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. That's an appointment that we are all going to keep. They knew the destructive force was there. They just ignored it. Here's the final one, number three. Many failed to take advantage of their salvation and get others to, to do the same. Now, back to the lifeboats. That first number bothers me? Of course it bothers me that you only have fifty percent enough lifeboat space for those over two thousand people. Only fifty percent lifeboat space. And now on this night, on on april fourteenth of nineteen twelve, it matters. But but brace yourself for this one. When all the counts were done, all the funerals were finished. And and somebody sits down to calculate the numbers. There were 432 lifeboat spaces yet that launched vacant. 432. Little Eva was seven years old. She was from London. And she got on one of those lifeboats. Somebody stuck her on one of the lifeboats and she waved and her daddy on the deck there. And that's the last time she ever saw Mr. Hart. Last time. Many of the people, actually 432, failed to get on the boats. I guess there was just so much excitement, so much fear, so much going on. I don't know. Maybe they dropped a couple of of them empty. They were just in such a rush. Everything was so loud, and there was so much going on. The ship was tilting. I don't know. I don't know. But... I I can, you can picture, you know, you just get on as many as you can, as many as you can. Launch it. We got to get another one going. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. 432 seats were left empty when they all were launched and it was done. It was finished. Go to the next slide. Here was the, here was the New York Times the next morning. Now, now at this point, the next morning, they didn't have all the data in. But they, they had this headline, Titanic sinks, probably 1250 perish." That was a way low. It was going to be 1,513. That was a low number. But they didn't know it at this time. I thought it was interesting that they used the word perish. Because in the King James translation, you have that so often about people being lost in sin. Lost away from Christ. John 3 and verse 16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord is not willing, 2 Peter 3, 9, that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 says the preaching of the gospel is to them that perish. Foolishness, but unto those of us who are saved, it's the power of God. Luke 13 and verse 3, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And so there are the three. There are the three mistakes that they made. What is striking about it is not that we still have accidents like we had last week in this horrific implosion of this little submarine. That's not so surprising. Men are going to be men, the world will be the world, and and people are going to have these accidents, and that's just very sad. But what is important is that the rest of your life, I challenge you, when you hear about the Titanic or you have these kinds of occasions that come up and people reference the Titanic as they did lots this past week, I want you to remember this, is that the mistakes they made correlate very well with the mistakes people are making about their soul. I, I, I want you to think about those lifeboats as the church. church is the sphere of the saved. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, when the Lord forgives someone of his sins, when he comes up out of the watery grave of baptism, according to what the Bible says, comes up out of baptism, he's been immersed for the remission of his sins, And the Lord, the Bible says, adds him to his kingdom. In Acts chapter 2, he says, he puts him in his church. And what is the church? It's the sphere of the saved. It's where Jesus puts people once they're forgiven by his blood. They're in his church, the church that you read about in the New Testament. Now, you listen to this old preacher. That church, in our extended illustration tonight, is the lifeboat. It is the... We're already lost in sin We're condemned because of our sin. The lifeboat is the salvation. Will the Lord damn me if I'm not baptized for the remission of my sins? Listen, I'm already damned. I'm already lost because of my sin. What he's offering me is the lifeboat. What he's offering me is the salvation. Would you like to take this? Would you like to be in this boat? What a terrible thing for the family members of the Titanic, the ones who survived, to look back and hear the statistic that there were 432 empty spaces and they, their loved ones perished and there's nothing you could do about it now because it's all finished. You can't change it. You can't pull it back. It must have been awful to think about, to know that. Yeah, but... What we're talking about right now is much worse, of course. I don't want people around me to be lost because I didn't tell them about the Lord and tell them about the salvation. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost. I want to be in His kingdom. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.